Before we begin today's podcast, I would like to announce that I'll be attending the Mind Body Soul Expo on Saturday, September 4th in beautiful Saratoga Springs, New York. The event will be held at the Saratoga Springs Convention Center, 522 Broadway in downtown Saratoga Springs, which is 30 minutes north of Albany and admission is free to the public. Come see over 130 vendors, 16 lectures and eight free classes and workshops. Registration is not required, but if you would like to tell me you're coming, please let me know on my website. Go to vitalbioenergetics.com and click on workshops. I can't wait to see you there. And now for today's podcast. Welcome to High Vibes. I'm your host, Bill G, with co-host Nina G. At High Vibes, we're looking into what it means to be a fourth dimensional being in an ever-changing world. We hope that by listening to this podcast, you can feel a greater sense of peace and connection as we collectively raise our energetic vibration to the next level. And now for today's podcast. Hello and welcome to High Vibes. I'm Bill G, and I'm here with Nina, and today we're uh, finishing up our discussion on constructs, or at least the uh, the basis of all the construct charts that we created. And uh, today we're going to be talking about something a little more esoteric, which is the ancient ancestral constructs. Um, so this takes a little bit of explanation here. So the an ancient ancestral construct is a construct we bring into our lifetime from other lifetimes or from our family line. Yeah, there are things that uh, whatever your, maybe there was a, a great, 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 great aunt who was working through some stuff, had a really bad day or really bad month or bad 20 years. And, bad lifetime. Yeah, bad <laughs> lifetime. And although that, that rarely happens, there's always bright spots, but maybe there, there was a, a length of time or something particularly traumatic that happened. And at maybe she died at that point, or maybe she died later, but never really worked through what had happened. Because she died, um, she left all of that stuff that hadn't been resolved onto the rest of the family line that was still alive for them to work through. Yes. Uh, and actually within the um, SRT protocol, we call those inheritance programs. So these are programs that um, we get onto other, we put onto other people, especially children. Holy crap. We children are sponges when it comes in the first in the seven years of their lives. They uh, just absorb any kind of programming that we happen to be going through. But that's not exactly what we're talking about here. We're not talking about imprint programs. We're talking about these are inheritance programs that go far deeper. So deep in the background are these programs or these constructs. And like on our visible light uh, charts that we have, um, they fall within the purple range because they're they're kind of like karma. They're They're so pervasive. They're so in the background that they become kind of like white noise and we don't notice it anymore. And it becomes very, very normal for us to live these patterns out from day to day. Right. And so what we have to do with the, when we're doing the charts with somebody is we find out what these patterns are and we work then to clear them. We tell the, we go into the Akashic record and we say, this is what's here. 
we need to get rid of these things or at least bring them into conscious awareness because right now they're sitting in the subconscious. Yeah, and this can be really difficult because if you spend, especially like a lot of time around your family, they are probably also playing out these dramas or at least some of them are. So by spending time with them, they kind of... um, what makes it normal actually <laughs> yeah it's, it's what makes it normal right yeah. and what makes what makes a family uh drama normal but it also kind of solidifies that you should be playing that out too because you're seeing it all the time right so um right before the podcast we decided that we're just going to take a look at ourselves here and use ourselves as the case study example because it went so well in the last podcast yeah we're having so much fun just ripping ourselves to shreds right. <laughs> here online here online everybody just... <laughs> so what we did with the chart is i first looked at myself and then we looked at nina and we picked a what we consider our primary ancestral construct and a secondary ancestral construct so Uh, I'll go first, uh, since I I love to self-deprecate. Inability to find joy was the the construct here. And, wow. Yeah, in in the last podcast, we were just talking about how Bill's family may see him as being kind of this, this silly, foolish little boy running around just doing silly, foolish things. And that could be construed as joy you know children are masters of joy mm-hmm. and um and play and maybe what bill's family sees is is him just kind of playing and not being real serious so maybe you know the um if you're looking at this as as part of a, a clearing session maybe you could see this as his family line there was something that happened in his family line or a series of things that happened maybe generations of something uh, where that family really uh, put emphasis on work and being successful or at least accomplishing something over joy because maybe joy was inaccessible. Yeah, and also they they don't see work as being joyful. They, that that um, They see that you w- don't work to do something that you love, you work to, in order to build a legacy, in order to care for your family. Your joy is in your family, not in your work. And this goes well along the lines of the businessman. And you had this attitude for so long. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the day we walked in the door coming home from being married, it's like you changed. And and you became that businessman who was really uh, needing to, didn't care about joy or happiness or fun anymore because that's what we were. Mm-hmm. Before then. Oh, yeah. Before we got married, we had so much fun. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You were amazing. And, you know, I come from fun. So, So, you know, I loved all that. But then it's like we we came home, and now we had to get down to business of of running a household and having a job and being successful and and creating that family. And we had to be perfect. Yeah. Right? Oh, my God. And and that resulted in so many mistakes. And problems. And problems. And, you know, we... Um, back, and stress. Yeah, like back in 02, we bought a house that we really, really shouldn't have bought. And because, you know, I, right in the middle of the closing, I lost my job. 
And so we, were, we, we closed on a house and I had no job, no means of supporting it. But, you know, that was, that's what you do. You, buy, you get a house and you work it out and, and you scrimp and save and all that stuff, all that crap. Okay, so um, then uh, we were looking at me. Mm-hmm. And mine came up to be separation from source. And I can totally see why this is a major uh, construct that I had because um, I spent the majority of my life not being terribly well. Although I was well, like people Mm -hmm. didn't know what was wrong with me. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just apparently just pushing the energy of physical badness through my body so I can understand. And it was the beginning of me uh, having a life of trying to find source again. I've spent my whole or, life researching. Or, or just trying to find God. Yeah, I, I spent my whole lifetime just researching spirituality and what that meant. It was so very, very important that I do that. And this come, definitely comes from your family too because your mother is very religious mm-hmm. and your grandmother was very religious. And so, you know, they would, for them, uh, going to church was extremely important. You never missed a Sunday or you have to be deathly ill in order yeah. to miss a Sunday. And I never uh, really bought into any of that. I've, I've never been a terribly religious person at all. But the spirituality part of it was really what was interesting and important for me to learn. And ever since I was four years old, like this became very, um, very much an imperative for me. So... What do we think happened in your deep family line that would create this uh, source separation paradigm coming in? Well, maybe um, my family line was heavily involved in um, things that were not from source, like maybe uh, secret societies. Oh. It could have also been that uh, my family saw an awful lot of trauma, like really devastating trauma, atrocity, where maybe they didn't believe anymore that there was any good in the world. Oh. So that trauma just kind of uh, filtered down the line. And I have now this kind of belief that there is nothing out there. But like I said, ever since I was four, it was really, really important that I find it because obviously somewhere in me, I do feel like it is there. Yeah. And, and we do know some about quite a bit about our family line because you did the uh, genealogy project for both of our families. And so, you know, with this inability to find joy here actually makes a lot of sense for me, given my family background, because they were um, early colonists in the first uh, wave of colonists. And then they were went on the Oregon Trail and and uh, part of that manifest destiny whole thing. And there's not a whole lot of joy in that. Because no, it's all about kind of conquest. Conquest and fear and, and, um, and you know, that kind of thing. It's, it's, there's no joy in that. And my family line, um, uh, well, on my father's side, uh, absolutely followed a very similar line to yours in that they were given land by the king of France and uh, came and helped to colonize Quebec. Or was it? Yeah, it was Quebec. It was Quebec. <laughs> okay. And then on my mother's side, they knew well in advance that World War II was coming mm-hmm. and that the Nazis were coming. And, and they saw it kind of infiltrating into their lives in a very small way. And my uh, 
great-grandfather decided to move everyone out of Germany slowly, or out of Austria slowly. Uh, so obviously they had some sort of connection in order to know what was happening, or they were just really astute people to, to see what was happening. Yeah, yeah. And, and somebody who's got a very strong uh, connection to source has a strong connection to um, themselves and their um, and where they are in, in their own bodies. Yeah, and how they feel about things and, and, and what they feel as though they need to do. And, and being forced to um, abandon that could also lead to a separation of that because they had to move into a new land and move a new area in order to escape um, persecution that was definitely coming. And they were, on my mother's side, they were very wealthy. And when they came here, they spent everything they had in order just to live and to integrate. And they lost everything. Right. So it was... Because uh, they had to leave everything pretty, behind. Yeah, pretty was, much everything behind. Yeah, it was pretty devastating. All their land, all their, all their investments, all everything. All their family. Right. You know. These are deep-seated things that play out. Play out, and and they, they they become such a part of me, you know, part of you, part of me, a part of every, all of us, that we are we live out every day. So, like for me, this inability to find joy, it was a real struggle for me to say, wait a second, I am getting out of the corporate world. I am going to pursue something that actually makes me happy. And during those first years, I found every way possible to make it miserable for myself. Yes, you did. Um, I, you know, I, I became this, uh, uh, I joined this nonprofit on the board of directors, which. You did a lot of things which kind of mimicked an office job in mm -hmm. order for you to feel as though you were still doing that. Because when you start a business, it's, it can be a little hazardous and, and you don't know what's coming. You're, you've stepped into the unknown. And I think that was really uncomfortable for you. So you, you tried to make it into more of the businessman job, you right. know, <laughs> where you could feel comfortable and feel like you were giving something and getting something back where your self-worth could still be elevated. Right, right. My, yeah, that, and so I needed that crisis. I needed to help a company in crisis. But you're over that now. Oh, I am yeah. certainly over that right now because our company is not in crisis. <laughs> We're just having fun now. <laughs> We did some um, secondary ancient ancestral constructs because we don't all just have one. Um, we're very complicated beings. Humans are. Um, so yours came up to be death space programming. Um, death space, the, the term is from uh, Oracle Girl, who we love very much. Um, mm -hmm. Oraclegirl.com. Yes. <laughs> uh, she's really amazing. That org, actually. D sorry. We will put it in the notes. <laughs> uh, she's uh, an amazing person. If you haven't found her yet, um, she's really kind of changed uh, both of our, uh, the way we look at life. Um, so so death-based programming is the kind of the, in our concept of it, it's kind of the idea that everything moves toward entropy. Everything falls apart. Everything comes from a place of lack. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And, that, and that's definitely how I've approached a great deal of my life. <laughs> my gosh, um, I've always been struggling against being poor and what that means to be poor. I never saw myself as someone who had abundance. I always saw myself as, some, you know, from the, how I grew up to... Um, 
how I lived the first 20 years of our lives. I always I approached it as this, you know, something that I needed to constantly um, struggle against. And that death-based programming really fed into your inability to find joy because it was not a joyous thing. If everything is falling apart, then no creation is made. Uh, every time you strive to do something and start a project, that is creation, but it would quickly fall apart. Mm-hmm. And then you'd have to do something else in order to regain any scrap of what was gained right, previously. Right. And in and, and the few jobs that I did find uh, joy, you know, if I I was happy in, um, the, I didn't have a problem with that. But if I didn't like the job for whatever reason, that was another thing, I, the self-sabotage. Um, finding ways to get myself fired or put myself into the line of fire. Again, more entropy. More entropy, yeah. It's just, and then it wasn't again until I decided, you know, made a choice that I was going to choose growth, choose life, that that death space programming I could get over and clear. Uh, but again, it was, it takes work. You, It's something that you need to bring into conscious awareness but it's also something that you have to constantly work at. It's not like we can just wave the pendulum and it instantly goes away. It's something that we just have to be aware of so that way we can make choices to rise above it. Paramahansa Yogananda um, used to talk about volition, which is intention paired with action. You can do the whole Uh, law of attraction thing and think, wow, this is what I really want. But if you don't actively go out and do something about it, it's really, it's hard for it to kind of pop into your life in any sort of real way. Right. And so for you, your secondary was the misuse of intention. So um, that goes very well with that separation from source. Because again, it's, it's, I am intending on doing something, and then it falls apart. And then it falls apart. Yeah. Again, and, more more entropy, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, and a good example of that, it just in our life was um, you had a habit of starting projects and then never finishing them or not seeing them through, or they, they're really fabulous in the beginning, and then... Yeah, I had great ideas because I'm a very creative person, uh, but then I couldn't put that out onto the paper or into the world. Right, right. And and also it was coupled with this separation, this not a, not knowing where your joy was or not knowing where your um where your center point was. Yeah, so I always like start projects thinking that well, this is so very interesting, maybe it's something that um would bring me closer to my own real self. Mm-hmm. Um and it and nothing ever really could do that for me. And I found that out in the middle. Right, right. And we we had a couple of failed businesses from as a result of mm-hmm. that. Because, you know, we put all this energy into starting the business and have a lot of fun in the beginning. But then, you know, there was something missing. There it was it, it wasn't really it, there was no joy in it. There was no fulfillment in it. And then just yeah, Plop. <laughs> I think because, you know, we were just talking about archetypes. I played the maiden. So I was always trying to find something. um, I was always trying to find myself. Uh, I always kind of did what anyone, what everyone told me to do. And I never really knew what I wanted to do. And I couldn't figure that out for myself for a really long time. So I was trying a whole lot of different things in order to really kind of discover who I was in all of that. Um, 
and get out of my own box and get out of my own way, you know, so that I could really be my uh, more authentic self. And um, I always took my cues from everyone around me and what their interests were and what they expected of me, which never brought me any joy at all. It was only when I finally decided to be me, which, you know, is weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I'm not, I don't necessarily fit in um, to a lot of people's groups in the way that I think. But once I kind of embraced all that, um, I just had to say, well, to heck with all that. I'll find, people will find me and I will find people that that I fit with by just being myself. And now my work is super joyous and it truly encompasses all of my gifts. Whereas before, wow, you know, I was, again, just lost. Right. And again, these this death-based programming and the misuse of intention comes from our ancestors, our family lines and whatever, because we can definitely look back at my family line with the death-based programming and just see that their whole existence was life, death, lack, don't have enough, whatever. And, and that was the, you know, from the time they were pioneers, even even further back, um, you know, the, the uh, throughout recorded history, it has been a, it's a constant struggle of, of life and death. And so it makes sense that that would be part of my programming here. And I think from my family line, definitely the misuse of intention could be starting on projects out of fear, running from something, mm-hmm. having this intention that this is going to make a better life or something uh but then in the end, um, it turned out that it was just more running. So right. uh, it never really brought any fruit that mm-hmm. was worthwhile. And even the family that came over where they got land from Fran- from the King of France and whatever, I mean... They ended up being incredibly poor farmers working in factories. Right. And live in very depressed places still and they came from nobility they came from nobility for goodness sakes right and so what happened what happened was it could be when they first even came over here the the king was just trying to get rid of them it or, could be maybe they were too meddlesome mm-hmm. uh, we don't know because you know where we there aren't any records from back then or maybe they thought they were going to make a better life but maybe it was all about power at the time and, you know, that always falls apart at the end. Yeah, because, you know, life in, in the uh, early colonial period was hard. Yeah. <laughs> it was yes. freaking hard. They had no, they were totally unprepared for this sort of thing. So they, they came in with the intention that they were going to build a new France or build a, you know, live their old lives again. And it completely fell apart. So I think what I really get out of looking at this stuff is... If there are things in your life that you just don't want to tolerate, that you can't tolerate, but you do. And I use the word tolerate because it is such a great word to describe the feeling of this. Um, Those are the things, those are the constructs that whether you can find them in your family line or just within your own life line Mm -hmm. um, of just your own experience, those are the things that you really need to look at about, you know, pushing off to the side or maybe pushing out completely and bringing in something that resonates more with you or brings you more joy because those are really the things um, that help you create you as opposed to help you create this image of you that others have. I do not tolerate not being able to find joy. I do not tolerate this feeling of lack, this 
this constant march towards death. That is, no, I will, I do not accept that. And even in like your own relationships, if there's an aspect that you're like, wow, I really hate this. It's small. Maybe it's big, but it could be like tiny and you kind of stuck it, stick it to the side there and not really look at it too often. That's something that actually can be worked on where you can figure out, hey, I really don't want this anymore. How, what can I do to change it? And so if you want to uh, go through this process yourself, trying to figure out what is your um, ancient ancestral construct that you can clear, we can, we can do that through the charts and whatever, please go to vitalbioenergetics.com slash book online and book your free 30-minute consultation. And uh, we can talk about what you are wanting to clear or what what are the Stuff constructs you won't want to tolerate anymore i don't want to tolerate that anymore and i want that cleared out so give us a talk and we'll give and uh, we'll set you up and uh we'll get this cleared out and we'll also give you some proactive steps in order to just keep own going that. keep going keep growing keep finding that uh that light space within you to keep to raise your consciousness levels it's this is incredibly fun work, and I, I love doing this with people, knowing that. Um, so it was great talking to you guys, and uh, we will see you in the next podcast. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about Bill and Nina G., please visit our website at www.vitalbioenergetics.com. See you next time. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about Bill and Nina G, please visit our website at www.vitalbioenergetics.com. See you next time.